strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800 State Farm. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! So after meeting interviewing and spending a little time with a brand new head coach Jonathan Gannon you know what I did next Wolf what was that Bali I immediately went out to the practice field here at Cardinals HQ and I hit the blocking sled (laughs) oh stop and then I set up the tackling dummies I ran through the tackling dummies I gave a couple of them the forearm shiver let me tell you something. I am ready to come off the ball on this very special edition, head coach edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, and I might need to pace myself here in the offseason, but you know what? That energy today was infectious, and boom, I was ready to go. You ready to hit him high, hit him low, fight, fight, <laughs> fight, fight, fight? I'll give you the effort, Ron Wolfley. I'll be the try-hard guy. If nothing else, you can bring the analysis here no, no, on the Big Red Rage. Polly. That was already me. I was the try-hard guy, Polly. <laughs> you can't have that one. I no. See. Okay, so here we go. Ron Wolfley there, Paul Calvisi here, and in front of the media, meeting the media and the Red Sea, Jonathan Gannon. And we will hear from the head coach a little bit later. Yes, we'll go one-on-one a little bit later, and we'll do that meet and greet. But first, let's get a few impressions. First impressions, based on his opening press comments, Ron Wolfley, what says you? Man, Paulie, where do you begin on this one right here? First of all, I I like his demeanor. I like the fact that he wasn't way up here. I like that. I I know that he's a high-energy guy, but I like the fact that he was more even-keeled for the most part, coming into this. Um, You know what? He's an excitable guy. I love the fact he said it's also very humbling, and I think that was one of the reasons why it was very even keel throughout uh, the entire press conference to me was because he knew what what was going on. He knew the moment was huge. Even though he's a high-energy guy and he's an excitable guy, the, the humility that he displayed realizing what was going on at this press conference and the fact that he's 40 years old and here he is a head coach in the National Football League. I I loved the context of this, Paul. And I love the quiet confidence that he conveyed. When he said, we're going to win games, don't get it twisted, we're going to win games, and he let that hang. You know, like you said, he looked like he'd been there and done that before, even though he's a first-time head coach. And we're going to ask him about that. Just, you know, was he nervous? I mean, a lot of those first-time head coaches meeting in the media, he certainly didn't look it. And the more he spoke and the more he answered questions, the more I understood, okay, this indeed is a good fit. This is what they were looking for. You understand how many boxes he checked. In fact, the owner, Michael Bidwell, he spoke a little bit about that, about how everything aligned. 
I think he came in with a vision and plan that the vision aligned with where we want to be about getting back to the top of the NFC West and competing in January and competing to get to the Super Bowl and win it. So that's number one with a vision. His plan he outlined, it's the view that he had of our elite quarterback and getting him back to being the playmaker that he is. Think of some of the big boxes that mm. Jonathan Gannon checks. His philosophy and approach with Kyla Murray, especially working the last two years with the Jalen Hurts. The accountability issue that Michael Bidwell identified going into the offseason, maybe the driving reason why significant changes were made in the organization at GM and head coach. You then look at the energy and leadership he brought today, right? And, and then the final thing is the more he spoke, you just come to realize, okay, he was an integral part of taking a four-win team two years ago to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So if anybody's been there and done that, look what he did, you know, Nick Sirianni and that staff with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, you know, I thought it was cool that Michael actually referenced that, the plan and the vision that he thought um, Coach Gannon had. And for me, when I think about that, the plan and the vision, Paul, I can hear him saying – we need to be adaptable, right? That's what we need. We need adaptable. We need violent. We need explosive. We need smart. I love the fact that he had this four-point vision, so to speak, that he emphasized. That, to me, really got me jacked up because that says what the plan is and what the vision may be going forward because, Paulie, you can have all the schemes in the world, of course, but you got to populate it with human beings. And you know what? When he said that, and the, the room was loaded with Cardinals players. There were a bunch in the front row, including Kyla Murray. There were a bunch in the back. You know, Byron Murphy was next to me in the back because we were doing live coverage before and after. So, boom, I'm trying to get a view around some of these big players. and I, Almost all the players nodded. A couple of fist pumps in there. As really? He, as, as he put in, you know, as he said the word <laughs> violent, explosive, <laughs> and smart. You know, I think maybe inside, Monty Austinfort was cheering as well. In fact, he was asked, the Cardinals do GM, why Jonathan Gannon? Ultimately, our process led us to Jonathan. Jonathan's energy when he entered our room, it was nonstop from the beginning. His reputation as a leader, uh, his ability to connect to players, to staff, to the rest of his coaches, um, his ability to work with the personnel department and provide a vision for the type of players that we're going to go out and seek. Um, it was apparent that Jonathan shared a lot of the same values that I value and that Michael values. In fact, Michael Bidwell said at one point that he was a little subdued, Jonathan Gannon, based on what he was like <laughs> during the interview. I was like, okay, you know, uh, man, what's the energy level going to be like when they get out there on the grass? So, but you know, you tell me, Wolf, I mean, to what degree do you believe a team takes on the personality of its head coach and how significant is that? Yeah, Polly, it does. There's no doubt. Um, he's an aggressive guy. He really is. I can tell just by some of the words that he uses, the fact that he actually used violent, he used that right there. We all know it's within the context and the paradigm of playing the game of football once you step in between those white lines. But that is a strong word to use, Paul. Yep. Even inside that paradigm, that is a strong word to use. And it, to me, um, it's like saying I love you. <laughs> okay. It's that. It just makes me feel good because that is the game of football. When you step in between those lines, you've got to step in between those lines with some bad intentions. 
And it's okay because it's all right to do that inside those lines. And then you step outside those lines and you love people and respect them and treat them better than yourself. Paul, you've heard me say this for years. It's just the truth. It's one of the things that I love the most about the game. And, man, just listening to Jonathan Gannon, he taps into that. And that tells me they're going to go out, Paulie, and they're going to look for players that fit that mode. No doubt. In fact, he was on NFL Network and they asked him about his offensive philosophy because, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, you know, yes, he's a defensive coordinator the last couple of years, but he has a very definitive sense of what he wants on the offensive side of the ball. And in response to one of the questions, he said, and I quote, we're going to throw it over people's heads and run it down people's throats. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that's a great line. There it is, Paul. So that's to your point that just further illustrates your point. Well, look, we've all seen the video of him in his truck pulling up to the Eagles facility before the NFC Championship game and then rolling down his window, right? And he was egged on by a lot of the fans, like, J.J., and he yells out, we're going to bleeping gut these guys. (laughs) To me, and we're going to ask him about that when we have him on here momentarily on the Big Red Rage, Jonathan Gannon, but to me, him rolling down his window, that's really a window into his personality. Honestly, I I think that's who he is. That's how ultra-aggressive he is as a coach and a competitor. What are you saying, Paulie, that words matter? (laughs) You know, they do. And again, it's one thing to say it. Now you got to go out and you got to back it up. You got to mean it because many times you can actually see a guy and you can get a little mesmerized by the guy's talent. You can, Paulie. There's no doubt about that. There's no denying that. Um, And a lot of times you forget that the game of football is not played just by athletes. It's not played by people that have a ton of talent. It's also a combination of toughness that you need as well. There's got to be some standard in each player of toughness, some level of toughness that you need to bring into that locker room that can go out there and then use that talent inside that paradigm, that incredibly physical, aggressive tough paradigm known as an NFL football game in order to tap into all that talent you got to have a modicum of toughness and that's something they're going to be looking at and trying to balance in every guy ball uh, every guy Paul they bring into that locker room they're going to have to balance that and you know what as a head coach with a scouting background as well he's got an eye for that sort of stuff in fact he was asked, Jonathan Gannon, on the one characteristic each member of the team will have. I know Monty and, and Michael have heard me say this multiple times. Everybody that we bring in here or that is here or that will be a Cardinal will have elite football character because you will not hit your ceiling if you don't have that. And what I mean by that is, is you have to be team first, and that's how we're going to build this team. He said it goes back to when he was a kid, his coaches, his dad. It's not about you. It's about the team. That was another answer he he gave that's just part of the DNA of how he goes about running a football team. And and it goes back into the whole accountability thing that Michael Bidwell and Monty Asenfort were looking for. Because, look, leadership takes different forms. We know that. And, And his style of leadership, I think, is going to be... Not only a a modern style where it connects with the players, but there's going to be some old school aspects of it as well, where there's going to be a lot of tough love and some significant expectations that it's not just about you. And a lot of guys are going to be asked to do things that maybe 
aren't going to help them all that much in their contract negotiations, but it'll be better for the team. No doubt, Paulie, and that got me excited. It really did. What are the possibilities that are out there, right, though? First of all, it's every guy. This is He made an, a point of emphasis to say every guy that we bring in here is he's got to have elite football character, Paulie. That, to me, I love that kind of terminology. You you have a culture. You have a way that we do things around here. And every guy that we consider, we're going to drag him through that culture and see if he actually makes it to the other side before we bring him in here. I love that mentality, and I hope they stick to that with the elite football character. Well, on the other side here on the Big Red Rage, we're going to meet and greet Jonathan Gannon next. We'll ask him about accountability his plan for Kyler, right, his vision for the offense. You know, we'll ask him about the video of him rolling down his window, right, shouting out to Eagles fans. By the way, join the season ticket priority list. Check out the opponents because you'll get your seats and the ability to select your seats before the general public. We're talking the Giants, Cowboys, Ravens, Falcons, and Bengals all at azcardinals.com slash priority list. I am extremely excited today to be in front of you, and I have the honor of introducing Jonathan Gannon as the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Just know this, we're gonna be adaptable, we're gonna be violent, we're gonna be explosive, and we're gonna be smart. And all three phases go into that. And we will maximize the talents of the players that we have, and that's how we're gonna win games. And don't get it twisted, we're going to win games. Adaptable, violent, explosive, and smart. The vision, the blueprint, the DNA of the Arizona Cardinals going forward. And when those words were uttered, I was standing in the press conference room next to a bunch of players. And every one of them nodded, a couple of them fist pumped. And now we have the man who said those words, who now leads the Arizona Cardinals onto the field, effective immediately, the 11th head coach in Arizona Cardinals history. Jonathan Gannon joins us on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Coach, welcome and congratulations. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Excited to be here and excited to get ready to work. Were you nervous at all? I got to ask you one question. I've seen a lot of press conferences, a lot of first-time head coaches, right? You didn't appear to be nervous whatsoever, even with all the cameras in the packed auditorium. Yeah, no, I, you know, the last two years in Philly, uh, that's a tough media market. So I kind of <laughs> got baptized by fire. But um, no, I, I think you just answer questions. What's in your, what's in your head and what's in your heart? And uh, if you're honest, you don't have to worry about what you're saying. And uh, so that's how I kind of do it. But uh, it's an exciting time, obviously, to be in that. But uh, I've been in that setting before, obviously not as a head coach. But, uh, you know, it's part of the job. All right. So tell me about the emotion of the moment, because we can talk about what's straight ahead. And we'll talk about that all offseason. But you're now one of 32 after 15 years in the NFL. What was it like to be offered the job? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting, but it's humbling, you know, because there's a lot of good coaches that helped me get to this seat. And uh, maybe that never had gotten an opportunity to do now what I'm doing. But, um, you know, you just you're very it's a it's a grateful moment because of all the people that helped me get here. And uh, I'm so grateful for working for all those guys and and uh, learning from all those people. But, uh, you know, really excited, really grateful. It's really humbling. What do you think landed you the job? What are your strengths? 
Uh, I would say, you know, just sitting down with Michael and Monty, just talking about the vision of how I want to build a team and play. And um, I think my strengths would be is I, I, I care about the players. And I've, I've done a good job in my career of, so far of getting to, to maximize the players and, you know, and get them to hit their ceilings. But, um, you know, ultimately – um, it's servant leadership. You got to you got to care about the players as people first, then as then as players, and you want to see them do well, you know. And I think the the other thing that they really liked, and I think that it helped our defense in Philly, was to explain to them and and tell them the reasons why that the team goes above themselves. It's not about you; it's about the team. And um, you know when they understand how they fit in and their role that they fit into the defense or to the team, they can accept that and really be very productive and be a star within their role. And that's what you're looking for. However many guys you got up on game day, are we? Are you a star in your role? And your role can change from week to week. It can go up. It can go down. Um, but as long as guys recognize that, then they're on board with what you're asking them to do. Uh, there's high accountability. And um, ultimately, you got to go out and play good football. Jonathan Gannon is our guest on the Big Red Rage, the Cardinals' brand-new head coach. When the season ended and changes were made, Michael Bidwell cited accountability and needed to improve. He cited that in hiring you. That's job number one. How do you define accountability, especially from a player's perspective? Winning behavior. So what I mean by that is there's, there's winning behavior. We'll show them exactly what that looks like and hold them to that standard. And ultimately, that's what your culture is. It's your daily actions on a day-to-day basis of how are you improving your process? How are you getting better as a player? And the accountability, and you heard me say that in the presser, was you know, I think people sometimes cringe because they think that's a negative word. It's, it's, it, it can be, but it can also be and more so used in a positive way. There's positive accountability. Hey, this is what we're talking about. That's winning behavior right there. That's what we need to keep doing. Good job. And so uh, the players, will, they'll know that for us, but we're, we won't shy away from conflict. We'll, we'll show them this is what winning behavior looks like and this is what it doesn't. And we need to improve these things or we'll, or we'll lose. And you're coming off an operation where you went from a four-win team to the Super Bowl in two years. What did you learn? What did you learn? What can you apply immediately from what you were just part of accomplishing in Philly? Yeah, process-driven, um, being very enthused about what you're doing, and high accountability, and high communication. And everybody, when, when everybody's on the same page and they understand their role, how they fit into the team, then it allows you to do your job at a high level. And so that's what I would say. That's why I say about Nick, you know, that's what he did a phenomenal job about. And then, you know, the back burner to that is is being adaptable. You know, we started going out one way and we changed because it wasn't working. Then we got it going a little bit and then it wasn't working and we changed. Or then we doubled down on some things that we know to be true, too, when it was working. Or maybe if it wasn't working, hey, we know sooner or later the results will come. We got to keep doubling down on our process. So um, just the clear vision that Nick had for everybody in that organization, how to win games. What's your vision for Kyla Murray? Michael Bidwell cited that was a big factor in your hiring, maximizing Kyler, getting him back to the playmaker we've seen him be. What sort of relationship do you envision, especially as a defensive head coach? Yeah, we're going to have a great relationship. You know, he's he's a direct reflection of me, you know, and he's the player. That position is the player that's most like a coach on that field. 
because uh, he touches it every snap. But, um, you know, he uh, the vision that we have for him is is to maximize his skill set. You say, well, that's kind of general. No, it's not. He can throw it over your head. He can beat you on the first, second, third level throwing it. And he can beat you on the first, second, third level running it. And when you have a type of player like that, well, that's what we're going to do. We're gonna, when you have to defend a guy like that, it puts the defense in conflict, and you can't do everything that you want to do as a defense because you know that he can beat you different ways. So with him understanding, I'll work hard with making sure that he understands from a defensive perspective, hey, dude, you're not going to get this because they can't run those calls because of this. Or you're going to get a lot of this because of who you are. So what's our plan for that? Because I know they're going to spy you. I know they're going to three-man rush, two-man rush, four-man rush, and they're going to spy you. So that stresses out the coverage. So let's make sure we're doing a good job with that. A lot of different things that we'll talk about as we get going, but um, he'll have a very very clear understanding of how he needs to operate running the offense and what defenses are going to try to do to stop him. Because at his best, he keeps up defensive coordinators all night, right? Yes, he does. He was one of the hardest guys to prepare for this year. I mean, he's a, that's why I say he's a legit problem. And he's although you're looking problem. for an offensive coordinator, you have a vision as to how you want to play offense, There's right? There's no doubt. Yeah. And and I'll and I will definitely I'm going to talk to a lot of people. I got some some good guys in mind, but um, you know, I it goes into being adaptable. I don't want a system guy. I really don't. I want a guy that's been in multiple systems because I want to be able to sure that I want to be sure that we are maximizing Kyler and the other players on our offense, not just Kyler. The you know James Conner, Rondell, Hollywood, Zach, all those players who you know how DJ Humphreys. We don't need to slide to this guy. He can block anyone in the world one on one. Let's slide the other way. Whatever we're doing, you got to put together the plan that maximizes everybody, not just Kyler. So um, I I want it to be the Arizona Cardinal system, not this guy's system from 1980 that was passed down for 40 years. We're not going to play offense like that. Jonathan Gannon is our guest here, wrapping it up on the Big Red Rage. When you rolled down your window and shouted out to Eagles fans before the NFC Championship what you wanted to do to the Niners, to what degree was that a window into your personality? A little bit. A little bit. I normally uh, keep my feelings close to the vest, um, but uh, I was feeling it that morning, and there was uh, guys, you know, beeping at me, let's go, JG, let's go, JG, let's go, and uh, rolled down my window, and that's what I was feeling, so that's what I said. So I'll always be myself, I'll always be honest, um, but, uh, you know, I, I have, a, I have a, a way in my brain that how I want to play, and, uh, you know, not like that, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a contact physical sport, and that's why I use the term violent. We're going to be a violent team. And you've already been honest with Monty Ossenfort? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if Michael loved it, but Monty loved it. <laughs> you guys went back and forth on the roster? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. We went back and forth on the roster. Because of oh, your yeah. scouting background. Correct. You feel equipped, Correct. right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a really good conversation. Well, really Monty has called that the lifeblood of any organization. You have to have that organizational alignment between the GM 100%. and the head coach. How much did you research the Cardinals? They obviously researched you. What about the other way around? Yeah, a lot, and I had to do it quick. you know. So, And I actually did it as the interview was going on and as we paused, too. So uh, you know, it was all good stuff, and I'm just you know so grateful to be sitting next to Michael and Monty and, and uh, the three of us getting this thing going. 
Well, we really look forward to it. Wolf and I, right, we've been doing this show for a long time. We always go to Johnny's on Fulton, which yeah. is right across the street from St. Oh, Rocco's yeah. where you were married. Yes, sir. Oh, so many, <laughs> such a small world. That's Welcome awesome. on board. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Congratulations Thank to you. Jonathan Gannon. There you go. We'll come back and continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Cardinals with a chance to make it a one-possession game if they can get it in here, going for two. Snap to Kyler, looking right. Now back to the middle, now runs to the right, being chased, backing up at the 20. Looking, still dancing around, pointing, still holding the ball like it's street ball in the backyard. He's still got it, runs right to the 10. Cuts left to the 5, and he's going to score! Oh, my goodness! Kyler Murray on a play that took about a minute! somehow gets in the end zone for two points. This is the entertainment capital of the world, and I don't think I've ever seen a two-point play as entertaining as that. I have never seen that before in my life. Hey, you know what, Kyler? Sit down and do the Yoda right now, because that is unbelievable. Circus, circus, coming to life in Vegas. I mean, just the reaction on the sideline. I'll never forget. That took so long. And I think the next-gen stat was he covered 85 yards of real turf and going from A to B to C to the end zone on that two-point conversion. And just the reaction and how much time all the defensive players had to get off the bench and actually come to the white stripe and J.J. Watt's reaction. A singular play by Kyler Murray, who is a singular talent in so many ways. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, just joined by the Cardinals' brand-new head coach, Jonathan Gannon. Wolf, uh, I don't know, maybe a reaction or two, or what stood out to you just after that conversation? I know you had a chance to talk to him one-on-one earlier uh, during your radio show. Yeah, Polly, you know, just the fact he is very, very specific when it comes to an offense and an offensive coordinator. He's got somebody in mind, and he's very specific as to what this offense is going to look like going forward with Kyler Murray, being built around Kyler Murray. That, to me, I'd love to get into more detail on that, but I don't think we're able to do that because we don't have a grease board in front of us. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. uh, He was asked the question at the press conference as well, and here's what Jonathan Gannon had to say about a new O.C., that's step one. We're, we're starting to look at some different candidates and uh, looking at interviewing some people here in the next 48 hours. And, uh, but I have a very specific vision of how I want to play on offense. And the person that comes in here to run the offense is going to understand that everything that we do will be structured around the quarterback position to maximize his skill set. And we have an elite one. And that was this morning. By this afternoon, we had national reports out. There are three reported candidates who will interview for the Cardinals offensive coordinator position. Drew Petzing, Browns quarterbacks coach. Drew Terrell, Washington wide receivers coach. He's 31 years of age. Joel Thomas, Saints running backs coach. So what's interesting to me, and he reiterated in our conversation here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, is he really does have a vision for the Mm -hmm. offense. It's almost as if he's reverse engineering it. He's trying to find the OC that's going to best fit his vision. I know on the radio side, didn't he tell you, Wolf, that 
he plans to live in 11, 12, and 13 personnel, quote-unquote, <laughs> right. right? That's right, Paulie. No fullback, as a matter of fact. <laughs> he kind of right. chuckled right there. No super you. That's exactly yeah. right, Paulie. But, uh, again, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do here because I-, I love his philosophy. I love the fact that he's talking about this offense being – something that's going to have to evolve. He's got a specific idea of what he's looking for. And the best thing is being adaptable, Paul. I'm going to come back to this often because you've heard me say this over and over and over again. You need to be whatever you need to be in order to beat your opponent. That's what you need to be. And when I heard him say that schemes change, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to mix it up on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to be adaptable. We're not going to be dogmatic about a scheme that we're going to run or an offense we're going to run. We're going to be what we need to be to beat somebody. And I'm paraphrasing him, but, Paul, you've heard me say that for years. That is a big deal to me. Of everything he said, everything he said today, to me it was the adaptable comment that got my attention. Because he also went on to say, you know, just in general, it's not my way or the highway. It's and he said, "I'm not going to be that coach. We've always done it this way, you know." Right. right. And, and he went on to say, and he was pretty pointed comment that if that's your mindset in today's NFL, you will die. Right. It's either adapt or die because then you become predictable. If you just have that one way of doing it, it's too easy to game plan against. So it doesn't make much sense. And I know, you know, he, he rankled a lot of the Eagles fans by saying he doesn't necessarily have a scheme. Well, right. You know, to your point, and you've been saying it for years. It's a must. You have to do what is necessary to match up and defeat the opponent on a week-by-week basis, correct? So Yes, Paulie. So, again, stop and think about that. What does that mean? That means, listen, if, you're, if, you're, if your opponent has a weak rush defense, by way of example, guess what you got to be able to do? Yeah. you got to be able to run the ball and exploit the fact that they don't have a good front seven. If you're if you're facing a defense that struggles in the secondary to cover people, whether it's physically or a lot of mental errors, they they blow a lot of assignments in the secondary. Whatever it is, you've got to be capable of saying, okay, this week, guys, we're going to attack the secondary because that's the weakness of this defense. And you flip it over. He was talking about on from a defensive perspective as well. He was saying, hey, listen, four three, you know, three four. Four, we'll we'll run the defense that we need to do. Zone? Do we need to run some press man? Do we need to run that and, and feature that this week, or is it going to be more zone this week? You know what that means, Paulie. You got to go ahead and you got to get guys who can fit in that scheme. You got to get guys that can do that. But um, it, it's really interesting the adaptability that comment to me told me that this guy's got a clear understanding of what it's going to take to win games in the future and make no mistake he feels like he has the guy at quarterback here's Jonathan Gannon when asked about Kyler Murray obviously played against Kyler this year and uh, it was a unique game plan to put together because of his skill set and you know I I use the term uh, he's a problem to defend uh, because what he can do He's a legit problem for defenses. And you heard Gannon here on the Big Red Rage say just how much sleep 
defensive coordinators lose trying to game plan for Kyler Murray. You got to get Kyler back to that, back to where he was a legitimate NFL MVP candidate over the first half plus of 2021. He's got to recapture that. And then think about the other openings that were out there, Wolf. I mean, if you're D'Amico Ryans in Houston, Frank Reich in Carolina, you know, if you're Shane Steichen in in Indianapolis, you know your quarterback's name? First name is Jack. Last name is Squat. (laughs) So here you go. You got Jonathan Gannon, and he has an appreciation that he has a franchise quarterback in the fold. Yeah, Paulie. No, it's absolutely. This is one of the reasons why I wanted a defensive-minded head coach. I preferred that. It's just because he's got that built-in separation immediately with Kyler Murray. Hey, Kyler, you know what? You're the quarterback. I'm the head coach on this team, and he, I don't see a defensive-minded head coach sitting every day in the quarterback room, the quarterback meeting room with the offensive coordinator going over everything with Kyler Murray during the season. Now, during the offseason of course I see a lot of meetings like that there's no doubt about that but I love the fact that he can also present Kyler a defensive perspective Paul he can tell Kyler Murray what defenses are trying to do to him to stop him and he's got a very unique perspective on that, and that's one of the reasons why I love a defensive-minded head coach. And then finally, Paulie, I love the fact that he comes from the Philadelphia Eagles. Look at their offense. Remember, Paul, there was yep. one offense that was so similar to the Arizona Cardinals offense and a lot of the things that Kyler Murray does very, very well, and it was the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts offense, the similarities were there. So you know Jonathan Gannon had a front-row seat to that. He understands the power of that new-age offense, the elements of it, and how to mix it maybe with the old traditional offense that really has the power to turn Kyler Murray and this offense into something special. All right, so he's a defensive head coach. Let's revisit his answer. Moments ago here on the Big Red Rage, we asked Jonathan Gannon what he expects from his relationship with Kyler. Yeah, we're going to have a great relationship. You know, he's, he's a direct reflection of me. That position is the player that's most like a coach on that field because he touches it every snap. The vision that we have for him is is to maximize his skill set. You say, well, that's kind of general. No, it's not. He can throw it over your head. He can beat you on the first, second, third level throwing it. And he can beat you on the first, second, third level running it. And it's his job to maximize that. Get that out of Kyler on a week-by-week basis to put that fear into defensive coordinators like he lived it in week five where the Cardinals narrowly lost to the Eagles at home. And your point about that game, Wolf, how many times did we watch that Eagles offense with Jalen Hurts and say, oh, that's innovative. Hey, Kyler can do that. How, yeah. right? well, how many times did we watch Jalen Hurts, who, by the way, had an epic offseason last year and went from a pretty good quarterback who got blown out in the playoffs to the second-team all-pro quarterback in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes, who took his team to a Super Bowl. So if maybe, just maybe, you had Jonathan Gannon witnessing what Jalen Hurts did last offseason, he can share some of those best practices with Kyla Murray. That's right, Paulie. No, absolutely. And you know what the other thing, I just want to say this quickly as well. I love the fact that Jonathan Gannon referenced Nick Sirianni as well and and gave him some props for also helping to develop him i like the fact that he did that nick sirianni prepared jonathan gannon to be a head coach and he gave him credit for that he said he was hard on him paul i i love the fact that he he pointed to that said he was hard on him and he was detail oriented but he always had his back these are the life experiences 
that shape any head coach going forward, and I like that. I was watching the Colts press conference with Shane Steichen, the former Eagles offensive coordinator. He was asked for his takeaways working under Nick Sirianni and how they turned around a four-win team to the Super Bowl. The first thing he said, and I quote, Sirianni did an unbelievable job of holding people accountable. (laughs) If something isn't right, something has to be said. That's your job as a head coach. And I said, ding, ding, ding. If Jonathan Gannon, if that's his main takeaway, and the Cardinals are suffering from an accountability problem, you see the fit. You see that alignment. You see why he is the current Cardinals head coach. Back with more on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Goes Dalton on first down. Fires over the middle. The ball is tipped into the air and it's picked off at the 30-yard line. Running left to the 20. Marco Wilson to the 10. He high steps and then he does a flip into the end zone for the touchdown. Marco Wilson with a pick six and the Cardinals take the lead. 20 to 14. Dalton straight drop back. Throws over the middle and a one-handed interception by Isaiah Simmons in midfield. Runs it back to the left of the 40, at the 30, at the 25, at the 20. And Simmons in, back-to-back. Interception returns for touchdowns by the Cardinals at the end of the half. Oh, my goodness, what a play. Isaiah Simmons just standing there in his own room on the middle of the field. Put his hand out, his right hand, and picked it off. And then he hit the Jets. There's that sub 4-4 of Isaiah Simmons. Touchdown, baby. Yeah, the crazy athleticism that was on display in that big win against New Orleans on Thursday night. Two of the young pieces on that defense, Isaiah Simmons, Marco Wilson. The question is, where will they play here in 2023? Now, Marco Wilson's a corner, obviously. Where he's going to rank in the pecking order, we'll see about Byron Murphy. Isaiah Simmons. Got his most snaps at slot corner. Ron Wolfley, Paul Calvisi, it is a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. What do you think, Wolf? If you're a betting man, do you believe Isaiah Simmons continues to get his most looks and snaps and reps at slot corner, or is there another spot in this defense for him eventually? Yeah, you know what, Paulie? I I think maybe uh, the edge. (laughs) And I I know that it's because Hassan Reddick is, well, we all know that Jonathan Gannon is coming from the Eagles and Hassan Reddick, but the similarities are definitely there between Hassan and Isaiah Simmons, two very, very explosive athletes. Um, And you have to wonder if Isaiah Simmons, um, with all the things he can do, if you stick him at edge, how good could he possibly be? Well, Jonathan Gannon was asked about Isaiah Simmons and how he will be used. All different ways. Uh, We're going to use guys' skill sets to present matchup problems. That's adaptability. Um, When I talk about adaptability, I'm talking about our people in mind first and then who we're playing. And it's a little bit of a chess match with schematics of how you need to do that, all while keeping it simple for your guys so we can go out and play fast and be violent. You just want to get to the point. This is me now. This is me. If a quarterback breaks the huddle and the first thing he looks for is Isaiah Simmons, yeah, that you know, just that X factor. I don't care where you use him. I just want him to be that game-changing sort of factor out there that I really do believe he can be. He has the measurables, obviously. You just have to figure out a way to unlock it. And 
really curious to see just as much as how Kyler flourishes under this new coaching staff, what is in store for Isaiah Simmons? Paulie, no, that is a great point. It really is because I I, I want to see it. You know what I want to see. I want to see them take Isaiah Simmons, and I don't care where it is, just stick him there. <laughs> just just leave him. There. Just let him get reps. Just, just let him get reps yep. and say, this is your position, and we expect you to make plays at this position. It's one of the reasons why, as an edge, I, I'm looking at the edge and thinking, hey, listen, that would be kind of cool, especially if you could get Will Anderson and put him on the other side. Hello. You know, you know what you? I'm saying, Paulie? I'm just, yeah. Anyways, you get my point, but Isaiah Simmons is a guy that needs to take another step forward, and this is one of the pluses about having a defensive-minded head coach as well because of all the young guys that I think really can take the next step in their development as a defensive player. Isaiah Simmons certainly comes to mind first and foremost. I would say Zayvon Collins as well, taking yet again another step forward in his development as well. He did it all last year. It was a very incremental advance for Zayvon Collins, but it definitely happened last year where he was getting better incrementally, but he was getting better as a inside linebacker, and we want to see him continue with that development. Marco Wilson, another young guy. They've got young guys, some good defensive players. Buda Baker, are you kidding me? Uh, just off the Jalen Thompson. They've got guys that are great playmakers, and Jonathan Gannon is going to have a little something-something to work with here. And there's something that he has in store for every player, and it's called accountability. He was asked about that. Player accountability is, is simply this. you got to define what winning behavior is and hold people to that standard. It's as easy as that. It's your daily actions with what you're doing on a daily basis to improve yourself as a player and as a team. And accountability is just not a negative. It's a positive, too. So when people do the right thing, that shows that's winning behavior, and, and you're going to see that our guys, we're going to love them up as, as hard as we're going to be on our guys. We're going to love them up even more. And he said the ultimate accountability is when you feel that responsibility to your teammate. And, and it's that relationship yes. in the locker room and in the huddle that holds you accountable. And you've talked about that at length. Yeah, Paulie, it's so true right there, accountability. I love the fact he took the positive angle on that as well because everyone thinks that's what it is. You just walk up and say, dude, you're killing us. What are you doing here? It's not just that. It's also reinforcing positive behavior and good behavior. It's reinforcing that, and I love the fact he's got a clear delineation on that. By the way, will Jonathan Gannon, former Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator last two years, call the Cardinals defense? Not sure on that yet. That's going to depend a little bit on the makeup of the staff. Um, you know, I got a really good blueprint in Philly of how that went with the head coach and how he adapted to make our team better. Um, so I'll, I'll figure that out as we come. And if you're using Nick Sirianni as a blueprint, he came over from Indy where he called plays, but he delegated that to Shane Steichen, who's now the head coach of the Colts. So although... He definitely had the ability. He, he outsourced that, and he just became the CEO and head coach and did not call plays. So I could see it going either way with Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Paulie. I, I will just throw this in here. He was very complimentary when I said, Mike Zimmer, what do you think of Mike Zimmer? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't yep. confirm anything. He did not do that. He didn't confirm anything, but he was very complimentary, Paul. Well, and it sort of makes sense. If you're going to bring in – 
a former head coach with a lot of experience and a first-time head coach has that ability to lean on a Mike Zimmer, not unlike a Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury with a Vance Joseph, who, by the way, reportedly is interviewing with the Eagles now for their defensive coordinator spot and the Broncos for their D.C. gig, Vance Joseph. So that might dictate exactly where the Cardinals are on defense, right? Because Vance Joseph is under contract next year and it's still a possibility he could be on the Cardinals' sideline again. Yeah, and Paulie, can I just say from a personal perspective, and I know you feel exactly the same way, I hope he gets it. I hope he gets that because Vance Joseph deserves good things, man. He's a good coach, and I think at some point in time, that's a guy who will be a head coach again. Totally agree. You know, my one final takeaway was when Jonathan Gannon said he has already disagreed with Monty Ossonfort that they disagreed during the interview a couple of times. You heard him during our interview here. And so I like that. I like the fact that, you know what, you have a GM and a head coach who are already comfortable enough that they don't feel like they have to, you know, that they can actually tell each other their true opinion on something and vet it out, hash it out, and usually that's for the betterment of the organization. It is, Paulie, discourse. There's nothing wrong with that. There are so many philosophies, so many beliefs in regard to the game of football. You're never going to be 100% aligned anywhere, so I'm with you on that one. I, I like it. Well, a reminder, the Pash Pod is uh, up there, and if you haven't listened yet and you need a good laugh here, if you're looking for something, you're jonesing after the Super Bowl, and we got a long wait to our next NFL game. It's the Pash Pod with Frank Caliendo, available now via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter, at Pash Pod. Special thanks to Jonathan Gannon. Once again, congratulations and welcome to the Cardinals' new head coach. Joining us here, we got a nice window into his personality, some of his thoughts and plans, and how he plans to go about his job. Once again, three offensive coordinator candidates to be interviewed in the next 48 hours, according to reports. Special thanks as well, Jim Omohundro and Cody Fincher. For Ron Wolfley, I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.